Hey there, Super Sober Heroes. It's your host, Sober Steve, the podcast guy. And before we jump into today's episode, I want to take a brief moment to ask for your help to shape the future of gay A. Over the years, this podcast has grown and evolved as I've grown in my sobriety. And recently, I've been investing wild amounts of time, money, and energy to find ways to level up this podcast so it can get heard by the people who need to hear it. I want to take a brief moment to check in with all of you, though, to see what you love about the current show and what could be better as I'm growing and moving forward. In the show notes is a three to five minute survey for you to complete. I kindly ask that you pause this episode and take the time to complete it if you haven't already. You are kind enough to give me 20 to 40 minutes of your time each week when you listen to these episodes, and I want to make sure it's time well spent. So please let your voice be heard. Thanks, SoberPod, and enjoy the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Gay A, a podcast about sobriety for the LGBT plus community and our allies. I'm your host, Steve Bennett-Martin. I am an alcoholic, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to bring my dog to work with me sometimes. Now, as of this recording, I am 537 days sober, and today we're welcoming a guest to share their experience, wisdom, and hope with you. Welcome, Chris. Hi, thank you for having me, Steve. It's great to be here. Yes, I was very pleased to have you reach out to me. It always makes you feel special that like people find me. But while, mm. I know you you did a great job of introducing yourself to me. Why don't you introduce yourself to the listeners? Yeah, yeah, thank you. So my name is Chris, and I am a life coach and therapist, and I work with primarily gay men, and I help gay men to heal past pain to gain a better sense of acceptance, self-acceptance, and connection with themselves and others. And I wrote a book called Raising LGBTQ Allies that's very much a parenting book as much as well as a book for members of the LGBTQ community themselves. Excellent. Yeah. And how how long have you been sober living in recovery? I have been sober since for 8 years. November November 1st is when I when I 8 years ago was the last last time that I drank or used drugs. Congratulations on that. And Thank you. What have been some of your favorite hobbies you found in sobriety? Gosh, so many. It's funny after I got after I stopped using drugs and alcohol, I started writing a lot and I started having articles that were published and that eventually led to writing my book, but it was funny cuz when I started doing that, I never I never wrote before. It was never like I was a writer as a child or you know anything like that. And so after I stopped using drugs and alcohol is really when I discovered writing for me. Mm-hmm. That's excellent. Yeah. yeah the yeah, the, the yeah. new hobbies we find to fill the time that drinking took yeah, out of us. Yeah. Yeah. And why don't we jump into the thick of it then and tell us what your journey with alcohol and addiction was like? Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, for me, it was very much, I never considered myself an alcoholic or an addict or anything like that. Addiction was very prevalent in my family. I was raised in a family. My parents divorced when I was very little. My dad always struggled with addiction. And so ever since I was a child, that was sort of part of my experience. My father would relapse and he'd go away and um, our visits our visits with him would change and then he'd get sober again. And then he'd, we'd go back to sort of everything as usual. And so for me, that was really my experience of what it, of what it was like to grow up with someone with addiction. And that very much contributed to myself and my identity and and my feelings as they related to sort of navigating a mind, you know, minefield. Then when I when I grew up, I didn't drink in high school. In fact, I hated the taste of alcohol. I remember going to high school parties and doing a shot because I didn't want to drink. 
because I didn't like the taste of it. And so if I wanted to be drunk like everyone else, I would just do like a shot. And then I felt somehow that I fit in. And then when I got to college, I was in a fraternity and that was just very much a part of the, the experience drinking. And so you know, just kind of drank like a college person, I guess. I went to a, a school that was very much a party school and and it was very normalized. And so that was just sort of labeled college. And, and then after college, I didn't come out until I was in my mid, my early 20s, like 23, 24-ish, like 24. And so for me, after I came out of the closet, I immersed myself into LGBTQ advocacy work. And that for me was part of where I really started to sort of drugs and alcohol were connected to my experience of coming out. I sort of came out and then went to the bar. And, and so that's where I socialized. That's where a lot of, I met my friends. That's where we would go if we wanted to do anything that was fun. And which was interesting because I was never like this huge bar going out person. And so I had moved around after I graduated college and I wound back, I went, I, I went back to Arizona, which is where I'm from. And my cousin had some gay friends. She's a straight woman, cisgender woman. And so she was like, oh, you're gay. I have gay friends. I'll introduce you to each other and you're all, you're going to automatically be friends. And so, um, so that really was kind of my first introduction, you know, with going out and just the drinking and it was just, that was labeled as LGBTQ, like fun community, you know, the sort of bar nightlife scene. And then I wound up kind of a long story short of it is that I moved out to Los Angeles 14 years ago to work for a large LGBTQ media organization. I was doing a lot of advocacy work. And I remember one of the organizations or the organization I worked with, one of the events that I was responsible for coordinating was a new member recruitment event. And it was for our target demographic, which was gay men 25 to 35 years old for our membership. And, and so our events would always at different markets across the country, San Francisco, New York, Florida, et cetera, they always were at bars. And I remember I found an event, we had a new market in Atlanta, Georgia, and I found a location for an event that we were going to do. And it was at a, it wasn't a bar, it was at a non-bar, but it fit all the criteria of what we look for. And I remember the the president at the time of the organization <clears throat> found out where it was, it was going to be held. And he was like, you can't have an event for gay men, 25 to 35 at a non-bar. He said the bar is for church, the, the bar is for gays with the churches for straights. And so for me, that was really kind of like this whoa of part of that is true. And I think that it it speaks to a lot of, in my experience, being gay, gay man, just the bar scene, the nightlife scene, and and finding a sort of wanting to fit in or wanting to be a part of something, feeling like I'm going to miss out if I don't go. And I wound up ironically working at a gay bar, a pretty large, a very large gay bar here in West Hollywood. And I worked there for 11 years. And that's really where I really started to, I, I, I felt like I was a fly in the wall. I was an observer and I just really observed that this either is going to go one way or another way. 
as far as my continuing to drink and use drugs. You know, I live in Los Angeles and cocaine is very prevalent and it was just very accessible and it was just kind of the norm to use while working. And, and I just, I, I, I just, I realized like this, this story doesn't end well. Yeah. And how has your life changed since getting sober, you know, eight years ago? Yeah. Gosh, so much has changed. My life is completely different. It's, I think one of the best things that ever happened to me was giving up drugs and alcohol. I think that that's, I'm grateful every day for being, for being sober and for my sobriety and for my recovery and my willingness to, to never look back. Yeah, certainly. And with so much of, especially near the end, you you know, drinking was kind of hand in hand with being part of the LGBT community. How has your relationship with our community changed in sobriety? Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that for me, you know, I sort of came out in addition to coming out as gay, I, I sort of went on my own spiritual journey. You know, one of the things of living in Los Angeles is people know LA for like the glitz and the glamour and the kind of shiny, you know, celebrity, all, you know, all that kind of stuff. And what I realized living here for as long as I have is that that was my first, like the first half of my experience of living here was very much that. And what I realized a few years after living here is that LA has a lot of very spiritual roots and a lot of, there's a lot of like just thought leaders in spiritual, different spiritual communities. And so I found myself going to all the lectures and the workshops and, and learning meditation and all of that kind of stuff. And so that for me, I remember being in a bar one night after work and normal kind of shift, you know, you get off work, we'd go to the, a bar down the street and sit at the bar and do shots or drink or whatever, sometimes do bumps in the bathroom. And I remember I was sitting at the bar and I was telling a friend of mine, coworker about this, all this you know, these lectures that I was going to about spirituality. And he was like, wow, Chris, you really lead two different lives. And that was the moment I really realized like, yeah, who I'm becoming is no longer the same as who I was. And I share that with you because how my role, how, how I feel like my work today is with the LGBTQ community is coming out spiritually and coming out really with wanting to share the, the, the things that I've learned by being sober and living a life that is, um, you know, emotional sobriety and spiritual sobriety. And I think there's more than just the giving up the substance sobriety. And so I feel like that is where I feel like my LGBTQ advocacy work has sort of shifted in that way. Yeah. And tell us more about the work that you, you do today. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, for me, you, you had asked like, what are, what are some of the things that I discovered being sober. And I mentioned writing. And so I, I started writing a lot and I felt like I had something to, to say and to share. And I was speaking to a lot of parents and caregivers and I started teaching social emotional learning. And I really found that I have a role to play as a teacher, as a mentor. My, my, my siblings started having kids and as an uncle, like how am I showing up as an uncle And I really felt like, you know, I can only take others as far as I've gone myself. And so if I'm an LGBTQ advocate, 
and I'm inviting the community or people I work with to love themselves or to heal maybe past shame, then I have to go far in my own life. And so the work that I do today is very much about that. It's about healing the misguided beliefs that a lot of the people I've I've worked with that contribute to the 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 rates of substance use and drinking and and drugs, you know, a lot of the shame and trauma, thinking that we're not good enough or we we need something to sort of connect with others that involves substances. So that's that's sort of how the work I do. And I, I kind of jokingly say that I wrote myself into graduate school because the process of writing my book was very much the catalyst that that led me to applying to graduate school and eventually finishing and, and now working as a therapist. Congratulations on that. Yeah, and you. if you were speaking with someone who was sober, curious, or newly sober, what kind of advice would you give them? I would give the advice that in my experience, and this is my experience, and a lot of people when I, because I worked at a bar for 11 years, and most of the time that I worked there, I was sober. So I was there, I worked there seven years sober, four years of that, I was not sober. And so when I did get sober, it was a journey for me that in my experience, when I when I came to terms with my own sobriety and deciding to give up substances and that that wasn't no that was no longer a way that I wanted to to live my life i didn't feel strong enough or confident enough to sort of stand up to the questions that maybe people had or the jokes you know that people would have you know like my friends a lot of my friends we were so used to just drinking or going out and so i had to come to the ter- the terms to to turn i had to come to those terms on my own and be comfortable with myself and my sobriety and then once i got comfortable with my decision i was able to open and share with others close friends and family members that that was that was something i i am and doing that was sort of the second phase and then the third phase was where i felt confident and grateful and i wanted to share it and and i was like telling other people about it. And then that's when people started to, you know, would reach out to me and ask me like, how did I get sober? What did you do? So I guess to answer your question for anyone who's out there, who's sober curious, you know, there's in my experience, there's not only one way to get sober. And, and so listen to, if, if you've thought about it, give it a try and be mindful maybe of who you do share it with. Because in my experience, a lot of my friends make would make fun of people like you've heard of people who do dry January, or, you know, sometimes people go a week without drinking, and, and then they would sort of get peer pressured, oh, come on, let's do, you know, c- come back, you know, you're, oh, so you're so boring now, or, you know, a lot of those sort of just te- you know, being teased. And so my invitation for anyone who, and I say this to people is that, you know, try it out yourself and just maybe don't tell anyone and see how it feels. And there's, there are other ways of getting sober and everyone's journey, I think is important to, 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 to honor and to, to pay attention to. Yeah. And with so many ways to get sober, what are some ways that you like things that you do in your daily life to help keep you sober when you might feel tempted? Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, I got to say, like, I really am grateful because I do, I, I don't have any, I mean, I, once I like, I just knew I was so clear. I think for me, it was my spiritual, my spiritual journey that really sort of took over my life. And, you know, I have a strong spiritual practice. I think for me to be able, when you ask to not give up subs or to not use or to drink or anything, for me, it's to be able to be sane living in the world. So I have a strong spiritual practice. I have, about every morning, I have an hour of prayer, meditation, journaling, and that's just to sort of keep me connected, you know, in, in the world and, you know, to be able to take care of myself. And I think that for me, that's, that's so important to my emotional sobriety. And I think that for me, in my experience, I'm not I don't have any temptations to to drink. I think it's more about the the negative thoughts that I have that can contribute to how I feel about myself. And so I think that that's where my my spiritual practice, you know, having a connection with a higher power is really really important for me. Yeah, I can certainly agree. I you know had to first stop drinking and then I had to work on my thinking. Yes, there you go. Yeah, yeah and. Good no matter how we recover, people generally find like a mantra or a quote that you like to try and live by. Do you have one? I do. I think, you know, for me, and I kind of mentioned this a little bit in, in some of the things that we've talked about, but I really do believe that we can only take others as far as we've gone ourselves. That's a sort of like mantra that I use because I feel like how I live my life, the the impact that I want to make, the sort of legacy that I want to leave with my nieces and nephews and the influence that I want to have on the people that I love, I feel like I could only take others as far as I've gone myself. And so whether that's conversation or learning how to love myself, like all of that is demonstration to others, but I can't do that if I've not done it myself. Yeah. I can certainly agree and understand that. And so why don't we, do you have any last words of wisdom or advice for our listeners that you'd like to add? I, the last thing, you know, I, I will say if there's anyone out there who's listening and, and struggling or even thinking about sobriety, you know, I remember someone who, a friend of mine, a coworker of mine that worked at a bar that worked at the bar we worked at. I remember he said, and this is very much an AA thing, I think, but he said that I remember he was talking to a coworker. We were three of us walking after a shift one night and our friend was sort of struggling with, with giving up substances and he had relapsed. And, and my coworker said, you know, you don't ever have to feel like that again. And I think that that's always for me, like, I am so grateful. One of the great, like the best things about sobriety for me is not ever having to be hung over again. Like, that's just like the best, you know, sometimes when I drive or go somewhere and I'll see someone who's like clearly hung over, I'm just like, I do that. I do not miss at all. And I'm just so grateful that that never has to be my experience. Yeah. I, I, I'm like trying not to laugh because just the other day at work, like we had, there was a happy hour and I saw someone and I was like, what happened to her? She's looking really rough. And they were like, she's hungover. And I was like, oh, I don't miss hangovers at all. Mm-mm, not at all. Nope. Excellent. And so why don't we share with our listeners where they can find you if they wanted to connect? Yeah. So my, my, I have a website, it's a road trip to love.com. And 
all on all social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, a road trip to love. Excellent. I'll be sure to put yeah. that in the show notes. You make it nice yeah, and easy for you. us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And stick around because we're going to head over to the Patreon post show. But thank you, everyone, for listening. You can continue on with this episode by joining our Patreon family at patreon.com backslash gay a podcast. Meanwhile, if you're interested in sharing your story or getting involved with a show, I'm an email away at gayapodcast at gmail.com. Lastly, be sure to you're following us wherever you're listening so you can get these new episodes when they come out every Thursday. Until next time, stay sober, friends.